Don't think healthcare professionals have any business experience? Think again. No topic is off limits as we share tales from our brave hosts who will always tell it like it is. We are hashtag no filter healthcare. Here to guide you through your healthcare journey are your hosts, Taylor Dunn and Tamara Donda. We want to thank our sponsor, Uptime Health, the leading healthcare equipment and compliance management software company for bringing this podcast to fruition. Visit UptimeHealth.com to learn more. Let's get started. Welcome to hashtag no filter healthcare. I'm your co-host, Taylor Dunn. And I'm your other co-host, Yammer Donda, and today we have our guest speaker, Dr. Hendrik Lai, who is the co-founder and principal consultant with Sage Dental Consulting. We're so happy to have you here today, Hendrik, and I just want to start off by saying that every time I speak with you, I end up learning something new, and I'm always amazed. And so officially, I'm giving you the title as the most interesting man in dentistry, and I think you should get a contract with Dos Equis. So. <laughs> well, I'll bring that endorsement to them. It's it's so great think- to be here, Taylor and Tamara. <laughs> yeah. So all joking aside, I just you know want to let our listeners have a little taste of what I'm talking about and have you give um, some information about your background and also how you started Sage Dental Consulting. Yeah, absolutely. So. I've uh, had a fairly broad background over the years. My first career was as a clinician. Um, You know, I worked in uh, multiple dental offices, started my own sort of practices, built them up and then offloaded them to a a DSO. And then then went from that to working in a multidisciplinary uh, healthcare organization. It's a multinational organization that did uh, dental, medical, um, aero... um, aeromedical evacuation, surgery, outbreak control, you name it, they did it. And I was in that uh, capacity, their senior dental officer, as well as their quality management systems uh, manager. So with that, I you know was responsible for creating systems processes and getting them certified to the ISO 9001 uh, standard. Um, following that, I sort of had a stint in um, working with a organization called the Royal Flying Doctor Service, um, where we established something called the TOOTH program. So TOOTH uh, stands for the Outback, the Oral Outback Treatment and Health Program. And um, that was sort of to create a proof of concept model that we could work with private, public and philanthropic organizations to provide oral health care to um, anyone, no matter where they were located on a, in a fly in fly out basis and using uh, telehealth models. Um, following that, I became what I call one of the most hated men in dentistry. I, I became a C-suite executive at a dental insurance company. So have a fairly good uh, sort of background and understanding of payer provider relations, not just from the provider side during my time as a provider, but also from the payer side um, and understanding that global worldview that, um, that payers have when they look at uh, the sort of aggregate models that they have across um, industries. Um, Following that, I went back and got a few business degrees and then started doing general management consulting. So I sort of worked in the area of uh, dental, medical, health and beauty, oil and gas exploration, aerospace technology and manufacturing. And um, after doing that for a few years, I got an offer an appointment from the governor of Wisconsin to sort of be involved in something called the Health Development Council, which sort of is involved in some of the health policy steering and um, direction for the state of Wisconsin. And that sort of brought me back to uh, Wisconsin 
And during that transition, I decided to pivot my consulting business to focus more on the dental space, you know, where I where I first started. So going full circle. So working with uh, startups, group practices, emerging DSOs, mid-cap DSOs, uh, dental tech and uh, dental adjunct uh, industries like dental uh dental temping and dental recruitment so well all i can say is wow and i feel like i've got a lot of work to do to even compare <laughs> like oh my gosh what a background that's amazing oh thank you um well you know with that background I, it's safe to say you're an impressive individual that truly understands the world of dentistry and and you know how to improve not only the business side but the patient experience as well um and so, you know, one of the first things I thought of is I'd like to know with your experience, you've seen the best and worst scenarios when you're working with a new client. So tell us with that hashtag no filter lens, what is one of the most difficult scenarios you've come across when working with a dental office and why? Yeah, for sure. Um, that, that's a really interesting point there. And I think this is not like isolated to a dental office. I actually see this very, very broadly across not just dentistry, but um, uh, industries more broadly than that, that people, you know, there's a saying in business, ultimately you live or die by your, by the quality of your decisions, you know, and what they teach in the military is that the best decision is a good decision. The next best decision is a bad decision. The worst decision is no decision. So one of the things that I tend to find in dental offices is that the leadership in a lot of dental offices take a long time to make a decision because they're afraid of making the wrong decision. Now, ultimately, there's there's no wrong decision, but the worst decision is not making the decision. So, um, you know, one of the things that I always encourage my clients to read is uh, Sun Tzu's The Art of War. And one of the things that he speaks about is, um, you know, not to say that everything is about war, but um, he, he's, he talks about speed being the essence of war. So, you know, ultimately, it's about making decisions fast and then correcting those decisions quickly as well. So I had, a, I had a client who had a dental assistant who just was constantly disappearing. No, just no one could find her. She was just randomly unfindable. And this had been going on for months and months and months. And um, eventually, you know, we got to a point where, you know, where, where was this particular, particular dental assistant? And, um, you know, we searched high and low. We searched the basement. We searched, you know, all this was a multi-floor dental office that we were at, could not find her. Eventually, somebody looked out the window and she was in the car park. And we thought, well, this is a weird situation. Okay. Um, and then two minutes later, police cars came out of everywhere, just like probably half a dozen police cars. And as it turns out, she was selling drugs in the car park of the dental office. So, oh you know, the, the, the point behind this is that why wasn't anybody saying anything and making the, the you know, the, the disciplinary decision to sort of say, what are you doing? Where are you going? Rather than letting it get to a point where, you know, police are coming, you've got police dogs, um, the canine units up and down the dental office, like seeing if there are any drugs in the, in the dental office, anything like that. So, you know, the, the, the point is, you know, be willing to make a decision, whether it's a bad decision, it doesn't matter. You can always course correct, but the worst decision is just not making a decision at all. Wow. <laughs> I've never heard of anything like that. That's, that's crazy, but it, it makes your point completely. I mean, you sat around and now look at what the reputation for that dental office mm -hmm. is. 
because of that scenario. And it just, it's going to impact your business, even if you had nothing to do with it. So, yeah. and you know, once you're on the radar, you're on the radar. Right. <laughs> well, speaking of reputation, I have to tell you, Hendrik, I Googled you. <laughs> and one of the first articles from ABC News came up with the headline, Flying Dentist Tackles Outback Health Crisis. And I thought, oh my gosh, the sky is everywhere. <laughs> um, and I know that your photo was like the main, you know, uh, photo in the, in the page. And it just seems like you accomplished everything. And I really want to know, you know, how you kind of transitioned from being active in the field, right? And into this consulting business and improving patient outcomes in this, in this way. Uh, absolutely. And I guess, you know, because we're no filter, um, you know, I'll, I'll say some things which may not be may, may not be popular, but um, you know, my my transition was always planned. I, I'd never planned to be a clinician for my entire life, and and you know, one of the things I've always considered is that you know, dentistry is is it's ultimately a trade. We, look, we rely on our hands and our eyes to make a living. We're, we're trading we're trading time for money. You know, just like an electrician, just like a plumber. You know, this is why you don't see 85-year-old plumbers and electricians. You, your body just can't handle it. Um, and I was taught by my mentor. I, I actually remember him saying he was actually an anesthesiologist. He said to me, oh, it's great, Hendrik. Now you're a, you know, you've graduated. You're a doctor. Now you've got to figure out how you're going to stop being a doctor. Um, so it was always a, a planned transition to sort of you know, move away from, from clinical uh, wet-fingered dentistry. And... Um, you know, I, I'd always been a big believer, though, that in the most successful people don't have a depth of experience, they have a breadth of experience. Now, what that allows people to do is that allows people to transition and have the ability to adapt and have learning agility to different kinds of situations. And, and that's one of the reasons I sort of put myself into different, um, you know, different situations, be that in a a philanthropic context where you know we develop programs and develop sort of proof of concept models be that in a corporate context be that in an academic context where i you know, was teaching um healthcare economics and uh, oral surgery um but there's putting yourself in as many contexts to create as big a breadth of experience as, as you possibly can um because that's what ultimately leads to success it's one one of the most dangerous things I tend to find, and you know, this is something I see in, in dentistry, is that we, dentists like to hire people with a ton of experience that have been in a in a dental practice for fifteen years and have done done the same thing. And if you believe in that ten thousand hour rule, so you know, ten thousand hours to achieve some expertise in a in a given context in a in a you know given situation, you know, ten thousand hours is roughly equivalent to three three and a half years of full time work. Now, what that means is that somebody who's been in a dental office doing the same thing for 15 years is just repeating the same experience five times over. So they've got a great depth of experience in that particular context, but bring them out of that context and they struggle to adapt to a new context and be able to apply those, um, apply those learnings and experiences they've had to, to their new environment. So I actually like to see, and again, a very unpopular situation, um, I like to see people that have hopped around, you know, every three to four years, because that tells me that they've developed mastery within their context, and then they've moved on to a new context to in, improve their their breadth and their scope of learning. So I've, I've actually seen that um, concept uh, just, you know, from personal experience. A lot of my friends, you know, 
they always end up moving to a new role, a new company after about two years because they realize that, you know, they've done what they needed to and it's, it has nothing to do with the company, um, but just to expand their knowledge and, you know, what they can learn from different situations, different models of business, things Absolutely. like that. And then that's something that, you know, businesses, dental offices, for example, can really actually leverage knowing that, you know, people develop mastery and develop expertise after about 10,000 hours, they can embark on things, you know, a, a, an expansion of roles where people, you know, not only work within what they were hired to do initially, but they expand um, their skills and their um, experience on a project basis or perhaps you know move into additional roles to again change that context to restart that 10,000 hours of of um of mastery again so um and, and that's a great way as a um that dental officers can implement um learnings as a part of a retention uh, retention tool yeah so speaking of retention i know that's one of the most commonly you know discussed topics right with uh, dental offices specifically is how do we keep patients and how do we acquire new patients? Um, so I know that you have a service offering called Practice Bounce Back, where mm -hmm. they are potentially in a detrimental situation of acquiring patients. What do you do first um, when you're tackling you know, somebody that's going through that? Yeah, that's a really, really good, really good question, Tamara. Now, one of the things that I like to do is I actually like to start from the beginning. Now, when I say from the beginning, what I mean is that I'm a big believer that you know, people talk about vision and mission and strategy and tactics and operations. But in my experience, a lot of dental officers really don't have a very clear strategy. You know, they're very good at operations, they're very good at management. And, um, you know, typically their leadership is a little bit sort of um, mediocre and lackluster and, and lacking direction. So I'm a big believer that we got to start with vision. You know, and I don't, I'm not a person that believes in these, you know, like five sentence um, vision statements and five vision, five uh, sentence mission statements. I'm a, I'm a very clear believer that, you know, your vision statement is simply, this is what we want to be. And, you know, this is what we want to be as our, you know, our North Star. And then our mission statement is, this is what we do and who we do it for. Simple, you know, because we want, we want our staff to actually be able to say, this is what our mission is, this is what our vision is. So ultimately, vision gives rise to mission, mission gives rise to strategy, strategy gives rise to tactics, tactics gives rise to operations. And what we tend to find is that, you know, people talk about strategy, especially in the dental context, but really what they're talking about is tactics and operations. Now, we're very good at knowing how to do things right. We're not necessarily great at knowing what the right thing to do is. So well, we're very, very good at managing and sort of taking checklists and ticking things off and actually, you know, doing the technical things. And that's what dentists do, right? You know, they know that, you know, when I do a filling, I do my local anesthetic, I do my um, rubber dam, I do my cavity prep, you know, etch prime bond and put my filling in, adjust occlusion. You know, there's, there's a process. We're very good at managing processes, not necessarily being great at sort of knowing what we, what we, what we need to do. So we do things right. We don't always do the right thing. So it's what I like to start with is, is, is a strategy. And, and ultimately, there are only like three or four generic strategies you can have. You know, you can be a cost leader. You can be focused. You can be um, differentiated. And then, you know, some permutation of, of those. So not, not a lot of options. But what I tend to find is that 
a lot of dental offices are, they try to be everything to everybody and then you you become what I call Sears you get sort of squeezed in the middle and we all know what happened to Sears right we they sort of not really around anymore so when you get squeezed in the middle you know your your customers either gravitate to the top so they gravitate to a differentiated offering or they gravitate to the bottom they you know gravitate to the cost the cost leader the, the, the cheapest person in the um, or the cheapest option in the in the industry so and that's what I like to start with. I like to start with actually strategy because, you know, without the strategy, we don't really know where we're going. And again, if you think about Sun Tzu's Art of War, what he says is that, you know, strategy without tactics is the longest route to victory, but tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. So without that strategy, you know, ultimately all is lost. You know, dentistry has been very lucky in that, even without strategy and even without a sound tactical base, you know, you can still be profitable. And that's because of the presence of different isolating mechanisms like, you know, high regulatory hurdles, you know, high barriers to entry, and a whole bunch of other, you know, isolating mechanisms which are in place. But what we're seeing is that the environment's beginning to change around that. So for example, some of the regulatory hurdles are beginning to fall. Um, a really good example is recently um, Alabama and Georgia, um, some of the telehealth, uh, teledental platforms began to win um, uh, lawsuits against against the dental boards, and you know more so than that, they were the teledental platforms were supported by the Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission. So you know not only are they sort of winning, but they're also getting that kind of federal um, federal endorsement. And once a precedent's been set, obviously that begins to roll forward. So. We're beginning to see some of these isolating mechanisms come down and it's really understanding the business environment in which you're working and how to strategize and achieve the most valuable competitive position within that. And then once you've got your strategy set, you can develop tactical plans to support that strategy. And then once you've got those tactical plans, you can develop operations to support the tactics. So a really good example would be now if you decide that I want to be the differentiated um, practice and I want to be able to offer the, the, the best kind of care to my to my patients I want to be a high tech high touch high expertise um, practice and that's your that's your generic strategy and that's that's good but if your tactics involve hiring people at $13 an hour if you want to buy all of your equipment from eBay or from you know some sort of gray market you know those kind of operational decisions don't support that strategy and that can lead to confusion not only with your staff but also with your patients and you know as I say in marketing a confused customer becomes somebody else's customer so everything's got to be aligned and supportive of each other absolutely and I think the idea of being proactive versus reactive is really important mm -hmm. here too um, and having those tactical you know methods that you have in place allow you to be more proactive which I really think is, is great for dental offices Absolutely. And then there's a whole like toolkit that can be used in order to, to achieve some of these things. And, you know, these are like SWOT analysis, TOES analysis, Porterian analysis, um, you know, there's uh, strategy mapping. There's a whole bunch of things that I would put in place to help determine what the most valuable competitive position within a specific marketplace would look like. And then how do you sort of leverage that particular position by, you know, using things like, um, 
removal of duplication. You know, you want to use things like, uh, you know, niche marketing, um, brand expansion, uh, reduction of input costs, a whole bunch of very boring economic things. And that's what happens to happen behind the, the curtain. You know, it's the, the, the man behind the curtain pulling the levers, but um, it's nonetheless what's important. It's, it's creating those systems and processes to support those things. You know, I have a lot of clients that, you know, tell me, Hendrik, I'm so disappointed. You know, people don't, you know, my staff don't really understand my vision. And I, you know, and I tell my clients this is that, you know, we don't rise to the level of our vision. We fall to the level of our processes and systems. So we, we need to make sure we have appropriate processes and systems so that we don't fall too far. Right. There's so many companies and industry leaders that have had the great vision, but never had the, the system or the process to make sure that it was successful. So I know we're all very aware of all of those. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think the most important part of all of the success that you've had is that you're, you're actually taking it and putting it into a way that your clients can benefit from it as well. So I think that the processes that you're putting in place, you're just helping the industry as a whole. And um, I think anyone is lucky to work with you. So um, if you'd like to learn more about Sage Dental Consulting, you can visit sagedentalconsulting.com. Um, so happy to have you today, Hendrik, on our episode. Um, and I also am excited to say that you are now a new partner of Uptime Health. So there's yes. some opportunity there as well. Um, so don't, don't forget to check that out, um, on our website and, um, please subscribe to our podcast. Let us know if you have any questions in the comments below, but thank you again, Hendrik. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate being here.